Now is the time for pastor. I'm gonna, here is Luke. He is one of our pastors here. I'm gonna pray before he starts the preaching. Heavenly Father, we like to pray for Luke. I pray, Lord, that you empower him with your divine words. I pray that everybody will receive gladly in their hearts your beautiful word, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Morning. How is everyone? Right, I've got to get a few bits sorted because I, I was a little bit late this morning. So take a moment, say hello to someone next to you, and then I'll round you up in 30 seconds. Is that all right? Uh, thank you. <laughs> so please forgive my slightly unpreparedness. Um, I've been traveling this week with my work, so uh, I've got a good sermon, I trust. Thanks to the Lord. Uh, but my things I wasn't quite as prepared. So if you don't know me, my name's Luke. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's just wonderful like, to see how God has been speaking to us this morning just through the worship and the encouragements, and do you know what I mean? even Dan just sharing what you're kind of losing their child. Who's ever kind of been with their children and lost sight of them and like, ah! But then seeking them out, doing everything. Dan was going to drop his base and find, and I think God does so much more for uh, us in that. Um, I find that encouraging because I sort of prepared my sermon a bit on that as well. So that's exciting how God speaks to us through lost children. But bless her, we found Mina, so that's all good. I don't know about you, but I often can kind of feel quite stressed about money and about work. But when I remember that Jesus died on the cross for me and asked me to put my trust in him, instead of the things of this world that kind of bother me, I realize that he cares for me. He provides for all of my needs. And it gives me a sense of peace and helps me to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better boss. I don't know if you have a story like that. Put your hand up if you have a story like that, that Jesus helps you. Yeah? Beautiful, right? And I think life after following Jesus can often feel a bit blurry. Um, so I work with cameras a lot. Uh, and you can sort of make out what that looks like, right? It's not a trick question. <laughs> but this would be out of focus. So when I'm using my cameras at work... It's out of focus, and you have to focus it in. So you go to the next picture, and it's clearly the Tower of London. (laughs) There you go, tricking you, Tower Bridge, for those paying attention. But the point is, that I wanted to, I felt as good was um, just helping me prepare this week, was just this sense that so much of following Jesus can feel a bit blurry, a bit like it's out of focus. But then God gives us the Holy Spirit to bring it into focus, to help us see clearly. And I think we've had quite a significant few weeks for us as a church uh, in terms of God starting to just give a bit more clarity um, through Dan Sneed and Gift over the last two Sundays. These are two men who, uh, Dan Sneed has known people who are from New Life for many years, but doesn't really know this. Gift from Zambia, first time in the UK, comes and preaches his heart out. And I think actually it's starting to give a bit of clarity for who we are as a church. Uh, almost as you see the season changing around us, the leaves going red and then falling off, which is a bit sad. But you see, just as we see the season change in natural, I think God is kind of speaking to us <laughs> through others about what is coming. Dan, if you remember, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to Dan's sermon from a few weeks ago, was really emphasizing to us that we should be pastoring the community that we live in as a community. And almost the key to evangelism, sharing Jesus, being genuine love and care for those around us being so aware of people's lives that we're able to speak words of faith and hope into those lives and situations. And the goal not being to get them in this building, but to introduce them to Jesus. 
Not my words. This is what Dan was sharing a few weeks ago. Powerful, right? Then Gift, who wouldn't have heard Dan's sermon and won't hear this sermon, was speaking last week on, uh, on God's kindness leading us to repentance and ultimately then reigning with Jesus. He was talking about Jesus kind of shutting down this survival mode in us, uh, shutting down a self-centeredness, but actually then empowering us to live with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. These two men who were just God was using to help shape us. But the things that seemed to be just slightly coming into focus as I was just pondering all of this was that all of us, the church, learning how to care for the communities really deeply, being known as a place of hope, a place of life, a place that we can, that people can come to. But also this sense of us reigning with Jesus, having a confidence and a boldness, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done to us, has done for us. In Matthew 28, Jesus commands, he comes before his disciples, and uh, if we were knocking around then 2,000 years ago, which I know none of us weren't, uh, we would have heard this from Jesus. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying to the disciples, Look, all authority has been given to me from God the Father, and I'm telling you lot, go. Go and share what I've done for you. Go and share all these amazing stories and things that have happened that people might come to know me, that people might be saved. And we've been looking as a church over the last couple of months at the kingdom of God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to have a few sermons on what it means to live in this kingdom. When we talk about this kingdom of God, when you talk about kingdom, it's basically there's someone in charge, right? When we're talking about the kingdom of God, it's Jesus is in charge. And how we live in that kingdom, acknowledging Jesus is, is the king. Um, Tim Keller, who passed away this year, but was a, an amazing pastor, theologian, and thinker, he's got this quote. But Tim Keller wrote this, The gospel is this. So the gospel, the message of Jesus. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believed. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare hope. This beautiful thing that the more we kind of look at ourselves, we go, man, how would Jesus love me? And then Jesus goes, no, I love you that much. I love you more than you would ever realize. I say it to my kids when they're fed up or when they think they're being told, no, I love you more than you will ever realize. I feel that's what God would want to say to us. Um, so then kind of, again, back to this kind of things bring into clarity. So we had Dan Sneed, we had Gift, and then a few of us went to a relational missions conference called The Call. And uh, the theme that seemed to be coming out was this idea that as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to do simple things and let God do the extraordinary. We're not called to change the world. <laughs> We're not called to do these things that are going to change people's lives. We're called to do simple things and then let God do the extraordinary. Simple things like going to the same coffee shop every day and getting to know the people and asking the Holy Spirit, give me an opportunity. Texting colleagues and being in touch with people in difficult times. Not too overtly, can I tell you about Jesus, but just to be a loving, caring person and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Cooking meals for people. Not just people in the church, but outside the church. Oh, I heard you're going for a tough time. Can I cook for you? Oh, I heard you had a baby. Can we cook for you? 
Doing stuff like dump runs and DIY for maybe an elderly neighbor or just someone who's not competent with DIY. There's ways that we can be very intentional and then we just, in those moments, ask the Holy Spirit to prepare a way that we might be able to share Jesus. What I felt so encouraged by this at the call was it's just do the simple things and let God do the extraordinary. It takes all the pressure off us. <laughs> all the pressure off us just to do simple things. We're going to read from Matthew 13, 45 uh, to 46. I was encouraged by, this is why I was encouraged so much by what Dan was sharing about Mina. It's very short, so you may as well just note this down. Matthew 13. 45 to 46. Uh, Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this kingdom of yours. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at what it looks like to live in this kingdom, I pray that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you love us more than we ever realize. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to receive that love this morning and then help us to work out what it means to live uh, in this love. Amen. Amen. So this parable they've been learning about in the kids' work in church. And um, me and Izzy were walking last week to get fish and chips. And she started talking about it, which I was like, oh, this is cool. So me and her, she's seven, we're talking about this pearl, and she sort of added a, a different ending on, which was an interesting one. They sold the pearl, she added it, they sold the pearl, and then they bought loads more stuff, and you're like, I don't think that's quite how it ends. <laughs> but it was encouraging to hear that something was going in. Um, but Jesus told lots of parables. And uh, I don't know about you, if you've been following Jesus a bit, you often read the parables and put yourself as the hero, right? Do you ever do that? So I read this as, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like Luke, who is in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, Luke went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's how I often read it. Who reads parables generally like that? Yeah? But when Isabel was chatting about it, she goes, she was going, I think the merchant is Jesus. And I'm like, Wow. Seven-year-old is sort of getting the gospel better than me at times. How much more powerful is that? Jesus saying, I'm the merchant. You are the pearl. You are the pearl. That I gave up everything for you. I was in search of you. Not like how much more powerful is that than, oh, Luke, give up everything. Now, parables can be read by Lala, but when a seven-year-old communicates to you that Jesus is the merchant who loves us and gave up everything for us, you're like, Phew. <laughs> I had to sort of hide my eyes sort of things, and fortunately it was dark. But I think it's important to ponder on that so often we put ourselves as the hero in the story and forget that Jesus is actually the real hero who saved us all. How much more precious does it suddenly make you feel when you read Jesus as the merchant who gave up everything, he was searching for this fine pearl, which is you and I. Makes you feel precious, right? And Jesus was this perfect man who lived without ever turning from God, trying to do things his own way. He at all times loved God and others. He gave up his life 
so that all of us in this room might go free. And he did that for each of us. That's how precious you are to Jesus. Just take a moment to consider, man, is there anyone in your life you would give up your life for? Maybe you're thinking, there's a, maybe a few people. But anyone you've ever met, anyone who you've never met, would you give up your life for them? Anyone who doesn't really listen to what you've got to say most of the time? <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? But Jesus loves us that much. But when we understand this love, and this is what Gift was talking about, once we understand this love and this kindness, we're called to then go and share that. Here's a challenge to us, and this has been, I've been felt really challenged by this. Do I view my neighbours as precious in God's eyes? Do I view my family who don't yet know Jesus as precious in his eyes? My colleagues? The people who are just walking the street? Who might be living in such a way that you're like, how could Jesus ever love them? But if you're happy to receive that you are the great pearl that Jesus was searching for, then man, we've got to be able to turn that to other people. Now I'm speaking this to myself as much as I'm trying to exhort us as a church. Read this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is Paul writing about people who are in Christ. Read this. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ... Uh, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God making him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now this passage can seem like, what do we do with that? Reconciliation is sort of like getting even, right? If you want to understand what reconciliation is, essentially it's like getting it even, getting the balances squared, uh, making sure everything lines up. So through Christ... We are reconciled to God. All the record of debt that is no longer sinned against us. This is where I'm going to use my whiteboard. So, here we go. So, because of Jesus, King Jesus, who is in the kingdom, we are now a new creation. Yeah? That's what Paul is writing, yeah? Ah, oh, I can't write it there. Oh, this might not be, this might be a permanent one. Who knows? We'll find out. So we are a new creation, right? So, um, as Christians, we love that. We are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come, right? That's what Paul is writing. But then what does it say in the second part? Can you remember? It's at the top there. Someone say out what it says. We are ambassadors, yes. So, not only through Jesus are we a new creation, but through Jesus we are called to be ambassadors, it's not one or the other, it's both. Yeah? So we stand in the middle here. That we are not only new creations, but we are ambassadors for God. What do ambassadors do? Represent. Represent. They go on their behalf. 
If I sent a van as an ambassador for me, he would go, I'm coming in place of Luke. Right? In the same way, Jesus is calling us to be ambassadors. Luke, you are an ambassador for Jesus. Put your name in that. We are ambassadors to Jesus. And what is the message that has been entrusted to us? It's a message of reconciliation. God made a way that the debt no longer stands against us. He's given us this message to say, you, my neighbor, my colleague, my friend, are a pearl of great price, that Jesus gave up everything for you, that you might be saved. So this is the challenge for us. Once we, if we're happy to accept that we are new creations in God, we also have to be prepared to accept that we are also ambassadors on behalf of Jesus. And that can feel daunting. Uh, and don't worry. That's okay. Last week, GIF, last week, GIF was talking about Jonah. He did not want to be that messenger. <laughs> right? If you grew up in any church environment, you know the story of Jonah. He was told to go somewhere. He got on a boat. And a great storm came. Then uh, he got eaten by a whale and spat back up where he was meant to go three days later. <laughs> yeah? I often feel like Jonah. <laughs> and then a few weeks ago, one of, uh, the, one of the guys in the church, we were at Dan Sneed's evening going deeper session, and he was just chatting with me and Dan Daly at the end. And he goes, oh, I sometimes feel like Moses. And you're like, where's he going with this one? He goes, Moses didn't want the job. Moses was one of the greatest leaders of the Israelite people, but he did not want the job. He wasn't a good speaker. He wasn't the person you would have naturally chosen as like, this is the guy to save all of Israel. But God used him. And then this guy just said something which was just blew me away. Something that you sort of hear in church life. And he goes, and God does that all the time. And I was like, go on. And he goes, then you see that cross? That was originally invented as a torture, a torture device. The Romans used it to kill people in the most disgusting and awful way. Now it's the greatest symbol of hope ever. And you're like, come on, man, you can preach this. He's normally in the second service. I'll give him the credit in the second service. But it was just powerful. You're like, wow, man, if we understand this, that God uses the unlikely things, the unlikely people, to bring forth his kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I, now, I think this will be most of you. Who often feels inadequate? <laughs> Who often feels daunted by the thought of even sharing Jesus? More in two hands. <laughs> Preach it. But there's a call on us to be disciples. And disciples means followers of Jesus, to be ambassadors. And Jesus has empowered us through the Holy Spirit to do everything we need. Now, one of the simplest ways to make disciples is to follow what the Apostle Paul wrote. Who, he wrote most of the New Testament. And uh, he says to, his peop- to the people he's writing to, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Essentially, he's saying to people, just try and do what I do because I'm trying to follow Jesus. That all sounds a bit easier, right? <laughs> There's almost a call on us all to go, do you know, if someone, if someone came to me and said, oh, Luke, I want to follow Jesus better, I wouldn't be able to teach them how evans follow Jesus. 
Because Avan and I have relationships with Jesus, but the way that plays out is very different. Neither is wrong. But actually, I can't teach that person what Avan does. But I can teach them what I do. And I can go, do you know what? This is how it works for me. I like to get up early, try have a bit of a pray, try and read my Bible. I might try and go for a walk at lunchtime where I pray or call someone just to be an encouragement. I try to pray for my family. try to serve people and love people. That's how I do it. And I'm not saying I'm doing it the right way either. But I'm not asking you as a church to do anything that you're not already doing yourselves. And then there's the challenge, and this keeps me sharp, is going, if I wouldn't want someone to do what I'm doing, then I'm doing something wrong. Right? If, I, if someone said to me, Luke, how do I follow Jesus? And I was like, to be honest, you shouldn't do it like me. Uh, then you're like, <laughs> well... Luke, you probably need to take a little look at yourself and kind of work out where, you, where your flaws are. But that's okay, because I imagine when Paul was writing, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he's going, look, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to follow Jesus. You can do what I do. And I think that's, a, again, an encouragement to us, that some of us are much further ahead in our walk with Jesus, and that's okay. Some of us are learning, and actually it's okay to go to someone who's older and go, I love the way you follow Jesus. Can you teach me? And the encouragement to you personally who might have got asked is not to go suddenly, oh, quick, I've got to come up with a load of material. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Just teach them what you're already doing. Just teach them that. Now, programs and tools and things like that are really helpful. They're really good. But we don't need that to make disciples. Because as we are all following Jesus. Isabel and I were talking this morning. And I said, Isabel, what's a disciple? And she goes, someone who gets baptized. I was like, yeah, that's... It's pretty close. Again, amazing infancy, kind of just understanding uh, this thought of disciple. And she goes, why do I get, I was like, why do you get baptized? And she goes, because of my things I do wrong and to help me follow Jesus. I was like, cool. She's picking something up. And you're like, I feel sort of a responsibility as a father <laughs> to disciple my children. So if you're parents, part of the challenge is to raise our children in the way you follow. Again, hopefully you're leading an example that they go, I'll follow that. But the interesting thing is we go back to this thing. It's doing the simple things and letting God do the extraordinary. I'm not saying to you, suddenly start doing these things and then, uh, then God will just, uh, then you'll be amazing. I'm saying, they might happen. They might not. The same with like Little Gems, which we started. An amazing opportunity to reach the reach people, but no one came on Thursday. Does that mean it was a failure? No. Not at all. Because we're trying to follow Jesus. And actually, we prayed, we prepared, and God is surely doing something. God loves our obedience. God loves us trying. So I want to encourage you that. And then we're going to do something practical, which is what I needed to get prepared. So, could everyone take one of these business card things and some of these pens? Is that okay? Uh, quickly share. And I'll explain this quickly. So, what I shared at the start of my sermon uh, was based on something which is a tool. So, we're going to use a tool, but this is a tool that is going to help you, I hope. And uh, the tool is something called a six-word testimony. So I, I was at a, uh, like a, a talk at the call, and they were talking about how to share Jesus, because I was there kind of going, how do I do this? 
because sometimes it can feel super daunting. And then they had... Uh, so this is a tool called the Six Word Testimony. So on your... Imagine this is landscape. So I want you to copy me. This is going to be like a copy-along thing to give you a bit... Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. So, right, we're going to draw a cross. Everyone draw a cross in the middle. Yeah? And then I want you to draw a line here and a line here. Now, underneath the cross, you're going to draw another two more lines. And then over here, you're going to draw two more lines. So and this is just something to help us think about. How could I just talk about Jesus in a normal way? Yeah? So here's what you're going to do. So in my example, on here, we're going to write things that how we might have felt before or how we understood Jesus. So I said, I sometimes feel stressed about money, and I did two words, so I was a bit cheating, but, and work. So just take like 30 seconds now to think of sometimes where you're maybe not walking in line with Jesus, where you kind of, the things of the world maybe get on top of you. Maybe you remember a time before you knew Jesus and what you were like. Just take 30 seconds, and I want you, you're not going to have to read it out, you can do, to someone else, but write two words that might help you explain your story. Then under the cross is where we write how Jesus helps us in that situation. So when I said my story, I said I often feel stressed about money and work. But when I remember that Jesus died on the cross for me and asked me to trust him, so I wrote trust, you can copy me if you like, and that he cares for me. So I would say he trusts me and he cares for me. I don't need to worry about these things, these things that cause me so much um, stress. And then the next two words are the result. So in my example, I said that I sometimes feel stressed about my money and my work. But when I understand that I'm meant to put my trust in Jesus because he cares for me, I have peace. What else did I say? And it helps me to be a better father, husband, friend, colleague, boss. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Don't worry, there's no tests yet. That's next week. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. And then I asked a question, does anyone else have a story a bit like that? And quite a few people put their hands up. Now, this is a really simple tool that on this talk that they were saying is actually, it's a really easy way to talk about Jesus in everyday life. <coughs> your colleague goes, how was your weekend? Or something like that. And you remember something of this, right? Or someone's in a situation which you actually remember. So I often have it, I find it in Ubers at the moment, I'm having lots of these conversations. <laughs> where people, they're often uh, uh, Muslim men who are working late at night and they're stressed and they're providing for their family. And I go, do you know what? I sometimes feel like that. But because of Jesus, I know I can trust him because he cares for me and it gives me peace and helps me. And they go, hmm. <laughs> it's quite easy to practice in an Uber because they might give you a bad rating, but the chances are you'll never see them again. Um, <laughs> So if you're nervous, just spend a little bit of money just doing like 10-minute journeys on Ubers or something like that. 
But the reason I want to encourage you this is, and you could do this many different ways in terms of different examples of just thinking, right, two words of what my life is like without Jesus. How Jesus has changed me because of his love for me and what that means. Because there's no way, I don't think, that I could share what I shared with you with anyone who doesn't know Jesus and they go, fair enough. But then when I go, do you have a story like that? They go, if they go, no, I don't, you can go, would you like a story like that? Right? Even as Christians, to be able to encourage each other. This is more encouraging than sometimes small talk. <laughs> right? It's great to be in community and relationship with one another, but to be stirring one another up. I encourage you over a coffee this week or with maybe you're chatting with someone. Hey, what was your six words? Let's practice on each other. Let's share it. Let's get used to sharing it because it just helps give us a pointer, just a simple tool of how we can follow Jesus. So you can take these home. You can put them in your wallet, your purse, whatever. But I want you to just kind of ponder this going, ah, I want a Holy Spirit, would you help me to use these six words in some way? I was chatting to a friend this week who's uh, on a real mission to help make disciples, and he was telling me there's um, uh, a lady in Norwich who's a head teacher, and uh, every day at 6 p.m., regardless of how tired she is, she goes to the same coffee shop for half an hour and pretends to work and asks the Holy Spirit to lead people to her. They're like, wow. Like, head teachers work really hard. <laughs> And I can imagine the last thing she wants to do is be sat in that coffee shop. But she's committed to it. And God can use that. I'll close with this. I guess, as we've been talking about after Dan and Gift over the last few weeks, and just this sense of, like, the focus, sort of things starting to come a bit more focus. I think our heart's desire for this church is that we are known for our love, primarily. But that love that Jesus gave to us. That we live as a family committed to loving and serving each other and those around us. Completely committed. Sometimes that's hard, but that's what commitment is. If anyone's ever been married, you know that it just relies on commitment, loving through thick and thin, through hardship. That as a church, we carry that responsibility of being ambassadors for Christ wherever we are placed wherever he's God has put us. Even if we're not allowed to overtly share the gospel, we can live out the gospel in terms of loving, through compassion, being the best boss that anyone's ever had, being the best colleague that anyone's ever had. I want us to be a church that shares this beautiful message of reconciliation, that Christ died for all, and that whoever repents and follows him is not condemned, but can be saved. Um, yeah, I hope some of that is helpful. Uh, but I want us to, this is a journey for all of us. And trust me, by no means I'm an expert. I'm going to have to listen to this back and then practice myself. But how cool would it be if over the next few months, leading up to Christmas, we put on all these Christmas events to give us opportunity to share Jesus. Imagine if before Christmas, each one of us got to share our little six-word testimony. Who knows what God might do? Us do the simple things. Let God do the extraordinary. Let me pray, and then we can close. Holy Spirit, would you just come now and help us? Help us to reflect on the love that we find in you, Lord. A love that so often can feel so undeserved. 
I love that because so often can feel that we are no, no worthy, not worthy of Lord, but that's exactly the kind of love you give us. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as a church to live in this reality of us being new creations once we put our trust in you, Jesus, and then being ambassadors for you in this earth, wherever you've placed us. Lord, I thank you for that scripture that it says we don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of adoption. Lord, where you're not saying we should then have a spirit of boldness, Lord, but we should actually have a spirit of safety and trust. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us be a church that trusts you, that looks to you, that is asking, Holy Spirit, how would you guide me today? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, live in a way that sons and daughters freely do in parents' homes, Lord. I pray that we would live in that freedom with you. And I pray, Lord, that many lives might be touched with the hope and love that you give and you pass on to us to share. Lord, I thank you that as we do simple things, Lord, you will, you will do extraordinary things, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need to change the world, Lord, uh, but, Lord, you long to do it with us. Help us, Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. I wonder if as coffee is coming out and the kids will coming back in, maybe just turn to the people around you and say, here's the six words I wrote down uh, over conversation, just to encourage each other. You might not want to share and that's fine, uh, but let's not rush away from uh, this moment.